Believe it or not, we are going to cover three psalms this morning, and I know some of you are going, that's a miracle sermon, because you can't even cover a whole chapter, but we are actually going to look at Psalm 111, 112, and 113, because they all fit together, and we're going to look at them, and we're going to call it the uh, Grounds for Praise. I know I can get some pretty heavy sermons, and we could talk about uh, false doctrine, and we talk about other things. But one of the things that we always say is we come to church because we want to worship God. I hope that's why you're here. And I recognize that worshiping God has to do with studying scriptures. It has to do with praying together. It has to do with fellowshipping and all of those other things. But most of all, we are to praise God, to look to him, and from the bottom of our heart, express to him the great things that we see that he has done, the great things that he is just because he's God. And this morning, all I'm planning to do is remind you of the grounds that we have for praise. Now, one of the things that is found at the end of uh, Psalm 111, it says, holy and reverend is his name. Now, you have to understand, those of you that know me know better than to call me Reverend Paul or Reverend Malfair. I am not reverend. Okay, some of my tractor pull buddies debug me, call me Rev or Reverend or stuff, or they'll say we came to the tractor pull just to beat the Reverend or stuff like that. Uh, And that's okay, they don't know any better, so we let that go. But you that know me, Pastor Paul, Paul, late, I'm not anything but late for supper. Okay, you can call me anything you want. The point is, only God's name. We sang that a few times up here this morning already. Only God's name is set apart from all other names. This morning, all I'm trying to do, and I hope I can accomplish my purpose, is to get you from thinking about what happened yesterday, what is going to happen in this afternoon, what's going to happen at the party when it gets rained out tomorrow, uh, you know, because you get your Labor Day party that's probably going to get rained on or something. I hope it doesn't, but you might be thinking those things. What happened this morning between when you got out of bed and the argument you had in the car or before you even got to the car, the kids that gave you a fit, put that all aside. Put that all aside and focus on one person. Jehovah God, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, who has been sent to this world to bring conviction and teaching and guidance, just to set those things aside for the next 30 minutes. If you do that, you'll begin to understand what worship is. That's my purpose. Now, I've mentioned the whole thing about a name, and I have six pictures here this morning that I'm going to show you. Don't say anything out loud. If you gasp, that's okay, or you laugh, that's okay, too. Uh, But the moment you see that picture, I want you to think in your mind, what is there? how, How do you perceive that? What is in a name? Because that's what we're going to look at this morning. How about that character? Yeah, he's in the news right now. How about that guy? Well, he's not in the news much anymore because, uh, well, anyway, he has an untimely demise. What about that character? Remember when he was big news? How about that? And by the way, I'm not partisan here because maybe that's the one you think of. Or how about the guy whose feet, you know, Air Jordan, you know, everybody knows. I guess he made more money in advertising than he ever made basketball. But you know what? Every time you see... A picture or you see a name, you think of something. You see those first three, you think of people who just did 
unthinkable, despicable acts and abused people and, and their times. And you go, wow, they need to be dealt with. And then you see people like Reagan who made pretty much everybody in the United States feel glad to be an American. And then you think of JFK who brought in Shangri-La. And I remember, I, you know what I remember about that? I'll tell you. I was in sixth grade, 1964, and never happened before, never happened since. The teacher said, everyone has to go to the auditorium. Went to the auditorium, and when we got to the auditorium, you know what they said? President Kennedy has been shot, and he died. And I can remember that sinking feeling. I, I could have cared less about politics, but president of the United States getting shot. I'd never heard of that before. You know, it was something brand new to a sixth grader. And I can remember, uh, we didn't have TV, but every, all three channels of everybody's TV played symphony music for a whole week straight. If I went to grandma and grandpa's house. All that was on all three channels was symphony music for President Kennedy's funeral and all those other things. You know, those are images that come to our mind. And I'm not a basketball fan, but put any sport in there and the popular guy. And you go, yeah, I remember this. I remember that game. I remember that move or, you know, whatever it happens to be. When you hear Jesus Christ, when you hear God the Father, when you hear Jehovah, what do you think? What comes to mind? And I hope that there is praise that comes to mind because absolutely we do have grounds for praise. The first thing I'd like to look at this morning is there are grounds for group praise. That's what we should be doing when we come together as believers on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, or whenever it happens to be. When we come together, so follow with me, if you will, in Psalm 111, verse 1. It simply says there, Praise the Lord! I will give thanks to the Lord with all of my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Whenever we get together with other Christians, there ought to be something about that getting together that is different. Our focus should be somewhat different because we should praise him. Our focus in one way or the other should be on him. And it says we do it with our heart. If you know anything about the word heart in the Bible, you would know that when it's used this way, it has to do with the mind, the intellect, your thinking process. It has to do with your emotions, your desire, and your sensibilities. And it also has to do with your will, those things you choose to carry out. That's what it has to do with. And he's saying, with everything that you are, we are to praise the Lord. Put him forward. So I have to tell you, you may be like me and you like to sing, but you're not good at it. You notice the Federhoff sing up here. I don't. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. I don't play the piano. I don't do any of those things. I appreciate all the people that do. But I'll tell you what, I try to make that joyful noise, as the Bible says, because I want to express my heart to God. When somebody is praying, please don't check out, but pray along with them. Because what we're doing is exalting God. In the assembly, when I'm preaching or someone else is teaching or somebody's making an announcement about an opportunity for ministry or asking to pray for persecuted Christians, whatever it happens to be, get your heart into it. 
Because that's how we praise Him. We absolutely have grounds for praise because of what God has done. And when we get together, we should absolutely be doing that. Verse 2 goes on, Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is His work. And His righteousness endures forever. When we look at the Lord... We get an image. What is that image? It should be that he has done things and we want to study it out. We want to know about it. We want to see what God is doing in the lives of other people and just what he is doing above and beyond everything else. And then it says that his work is splendid and majestic. His works are great. When you think about God, do you allow your mind, do you change your mind and start focusing on him? But then again, there's more than just group praise. And I call this God alone because he works. Because God is doing things. Last weekend, uh, early service, uh, last Sunday morning, early service had six people in it. Now, I know why that was. Hurricane Irene, right? Some of you didn't have electric and some had... You couldn't get past on the road, and you couldn't even get out your driveway. All kinds of things. You had water in your basement, leaks and holes in things and whatever else. You know what? I understand that. But you know what? I remember back to one of those other works of God. 1972. Wow, that was a different flood. We got really hammered that time. This was bad, but nothing like that. I remember three days on the farm with no electricity whatsoever. I was a I think it was 1819, I guess, at that point. You know what? Big, big difference. It says God's works are remembered. Look at verse 4. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. See, the thing is, God does use these natural phenomena to get our attention on him. I often say we need one really good snowstorm a year so that people realize they're not in control of this life. Because it shuts everything down. Now, I know some of you would argue with me. My wife would argue with me about that. And it's like, she's no snowstorms whatsoever. But you know what? Only for that purpose. That we would see how marvelous, how strong, powerful, great God is. Because we do remember those things. We remember the big snowstorms that uh, the... The year we opened this building up, 1995-96 winter, the snow, because I walked back to the, the back to get the backhoe, it was up to my waist. It hasn't been that deep since then. You know, I remember those things because God shut everything down. There was no church that Sunday morning. Uh, we were cleaning up everything. But God is a God who works, and his works are to be remembered. Notice verse 5. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. Whenever God has, by his power, met your needs, given you food, you thought, there was an end. You didn't know where the next whatever was coming from. And he provided. You remember those things. When you look at the nation of Israel, you go, it should not exist. It should not exist. And it should not exist. It should have been wiped out as soon as it was formed again in 1947. 
But it's still here. Why? Because God remembers His covenant. God works. If you ever want to see something uh, of people who weren't really trusting God, but God said, I'm working because I keep my covenant, read the story of the nation of Israel since right before 1947. You'll find that it couldn't have been man-made. It was of God. Verse 7, the works of his hand are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and righteousness. What God says is true. It's dependable. He's given us his word. He abides by it and expects us to be obedient to it and live it out. That's what he does. And notice verse 9. He has set redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. What has he decreed? He has decreed that he has provided righteousness, redemption for those who trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ as he shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And notice how verse 9 ends. Holy and awesome or reverend is his name. His name is Holy. Holy simply has to do with set apart. That name is different than every other name. Let me ask you. Are you so hardened to it or does it make you cringe when somebody uses God's name in vain? Yeah, it's a holy name. Should not be used in an ordinary, vain or futile way. And then it says reverend or awesome is his name. Does it just grab you? Because the word here is fear, like it is many other places. To fear, to be awesome, to be reverend. Does it invoke something in you that no other name does? I hope if somebody says your spouse's name, there's a little flutter in your heart. I hope that's true. You know, I hope a lot of things are true. Yeah, John. Amen. If you didn't hear that, he said, if you call somebody Holy Reverend Father or something like that, it's tantamount to call him in God. And I agree. Don't call me Reverend. Only one is Reverend. His name is Holy. His name is set apart. And when you hear his name, it ought to give something in your heart. Absolutely. Should make a difference. That holiness, that reverence prompts us to treat him differently. Remember those If you met those six people that were on those slides, you would react to each one of them differently. How do you react when the name of God is mentioned, when he is brought to the forefront? But then again, and I almost called this sermon the sermon for the first week of school, because look what it says at the very end of chapter 11, or 111 and the beginning of 112. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. And continuing to the next chapter, praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. We have a number of teachers and professors and principals here, and we have homeschool teachers, uh, and they give out a whole lot of information, and rightly so. But that doesn't make wise people. 
It doesn't make people who reverence God because we need to take the truth and put it into action if we're going to reverence the name of God. If we're going to have wisdom, we need to put what is right and true and good into action. My next illustration, please do not think that I'm saying don't memorize Scripture because that's not what I'm saying. You could memorize the whole Bible and still not be a Christian. You can memorize the whole Bible and still not be a holy person or a wise person. Now, I do recommend that you memorize and be in the Scripture. Why? Because it gives you the tools that if you're obedient to the truth, you can be a wise and holy person. And you can live a life where your life counts. And you have a good reputation in the world around you. But all the knowledge in the world does nothing unless you put it into practice. And that's what it's saying here. We can only have uh, wisdom because it comes from the fear of the Lord. And so you can take all the good technologies, and every time a technology comes out, it solves a problem. But there's also about ten other ways that it can be used in a wrong way. And I have seen it. I'll probably do a, a, a weekend again sometime in the future about electronic communication because I have just seen over and over and over again in counseling how it gets people in trouble. But I've also seen, heard how it saved lives and helped people to do their job better. But you know what? It can be used for all kinds of illicit, immoral, and unethical purposes. The point is... You need to use it wisely. It has to be on the basis of who God is. And we can have grounds for praises because we can have a good understanding of who he is and live that out. But also, we can have a praise for great results. Now, I subtitled that what goes around, or, yeah, what goes around comes around because there is in the Bible the law of sowing and reaping. It starts very near the beginning of the Bible, goes the whole way through the Old Testament and right into the New Testament. Grew up on a farm. I never saw corn come up where we planted wheat. And I never saw barley come up where we planted corn. It doesn't work that way. What you plant comes up except in your garden or your grass the weeds come up anyway but then again you know how they got there the wind put them in the birds put them in your neighbors oh no not your neighbors but you know they they the seeds got there and they grew but what you plant is what you get and i understand that and there are some things i don't fully understand here i'm going to tell you that right up front but sometimes you say, and, and it's found though, specifically through the whole Old Testament, why do the wicked prosper? It is seen over and over again, and it's stated in a number of different ways. Why do the wicked prosper? This person is not doing what God said. They're not being wise. They're not putting it into practice. But they seem to be getting away with it. I have one answer for that. I read the end of the book. It's not over yet. You know, because just because they look like they're prospering now and everything's okay now doesn't mean that's their final end. I will also tell you I read the New Testament. And some of those blessings that God has promised are not simply in gold coins or dollar bills or in houses or any other thing. They are in the blessings that we have of a life that's lived with character and the blessings that come because of relationships and all the other good things that God blesses us with. 
So, there are great results. When we sow to the Spirit, when we sow good things, when we practice good things, when we're obedient to the Word of God, there are good things that come around. Let's look at them. Verse 2, His descendants are mighty on the earth. When you do things God's way, there's a sense of power that goes with it. Real power. The generation of the upright will be blessed. God will speak on our behalf. And then verse 3 says, Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Now notice the righteousness here is not God's righteousness, but it's our right standing. So notice there are three things. A righteousness. We have a right standard of living. That doesn't necessarily equal dollars and cents or possessions, but it's a possession of life, of character. But the first two, you go, did the writer stutter? Did he just repeat the same thing twice? The answer is no. The two words are actually two different words. The first one has to do with sufficiency. It actually comes from a root word that means to be easy. In the New Testament, it spells it out very clearly. He hasn't promised to meet all our desires and give us everything we want, but he has promised to meet our needs to give us what is sufficient for life. Most of the world today doesn't even quite have enough to suffice for their life. They are going downhill. All of us, we're Americans, we live in the, the most blessed country in the world. We, we hardly even know how to deal with this. We definitely have sufficient for whatever we need in life. We already have it. Life is pretty easy. Oh, you might say, my life's real tough right now. Yeah, but none of you are starving. I mean, we, we've just really got it good. Let's face it, we do. Uh, don't feel sorry, just use it wisely. But the second one is the one we usually think of. That has to do with fortune. It has to do with gain. It has to do with we have more than we need. And that's true of most of us. It might not be at this moment, but most of our lives we don't only have sufficient means, but we have more than we need. God says, you need to put me first, and I will do those. And then especially, our righteousness is not only here and now, but it's our reputation before the world and our reputation before God. And that we can always have. And it goes on to say, a light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. Notice he says that in the darkest of times, he doesn't promise you won't have dark times, but he says for those that are upright, a light arises in the darkness. He didn't say Life is easy. He didn't say living in a sin-cursed world is a cakewalk. But he said that in the middle of that, if you put God first, you will be the one with the light. And I will tell you, if you're the one with the light, others benefit. All I'd ask you is this. When you leave here, everyone you rub shoulders with, are they affected by your life? Not because you told them, just by your life at this moment, by your life. Do, are they affected that they see God working in you and through you? Does a light shine? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? Yeah. Does it? You can gauge whether you're living for the Lord and being obedient as a believer if your light actually shines and helps someone else. 
He says, that's a great result. Isn't it neat when somebody comes back and says, you know what? Your life has affected me. You've helped me. That's a cool thing. That's one of those great results. But it goes on to say that it is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. God says we are to be gracious people. We are to help those that need help. We need to be available to use our life and invest it in other people's lives, to reach out to them. I often say people don't care what you have to say unless you fir- they first know you care. Think about that. Just because you care doesn't mean somebody's going to become a Christian, they're going to accept the gospel, or they're going to trust Christ. But if you don't care, they're not going to care what you have to say. So your life, your light, it needs to shine. Those are great grands for praise because we have the opportunity to make a difference. And it ends by by saying this. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He is given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. Every time in the Old Testament you see the word horn, unless it is talking about something that you make music with, it's talking about the concept of strength. It's saying, when we reach out, be a light to others, and help other people, those that need help, he says, we become a stronger person for it. Our horn will be exalted in honor. Because you will have a reputation of someone who makes a difference. Let's face it. Uh, my dad used to have a saying, it's something about, uh, and uh, I can't repeat exactly how he said it, but basically some people are so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. The fact is, I think that's exactly how it's said. And he always said it with kind of a sneer because it just bugged the daylights out of him when people didn't do what they said they would do or they ripped you off or whatever, and at the same time they claimed to be Christians and so holy and mighty and better than you. He just, doesn't that bug everybody? Except he had the saying that went with it. You know what? I don't want my reputation to be that. I want it to be that I'm praising God. I have grounds for praising him every day, and others get to see the off-fall from that. It makes a difference. I know that it gives us a reputation with those around us. But then there are, grounds for praise, grave results. And I don't mean grave like you bury somebody. Grave but in dire results. Because what goes around comes around. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but look at verse 10. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. He's not spending a lot of time here on the negative, but the negative is here. Those that simply thumb their nose at God, take his name in vain, don't honor him, don't reverence him, don't treat him with with the respect that he deserves, they will see their end. I'm not 100% sure what gnashing of teeth means. It's all in the Bible, but the closest thing I can come is this person is just clenching their teeth and and just trying to get through and hoping they're going to make it. Why? Because when we disrespect the Lord, that is our end result. Because guess what? You're left to yourself. you got to fend for yourself. you got to make your own way. And you really aren't going to have a lot to praise the Lord for. But we can because we see that 
We've taken the right direction. We don't wish that on anyone. That's why we minister. So people never have to have that, that end. But then there's God alone part two. And this is simply because he is God. I am thrilled to be able to end this way. And this is Psalm 113. It was actually sung right before the Passover. They would actually sing this. Be assured, I'm not going to sing it. We get Joe up here, maybe he could sing it, but I'm not singing it. But it says in verse, uh, chapter 113, verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord. And now notice, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to the setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. God is worthy of praise at all times simply because he is God. Not because he's done great things for us. Not because he sent Christ to redeem us. Not because he's given us great things. Not because he's given us a good reputation. None of those things at this moment. Just simply, he's God. You want to know something? I'm not smart enough to fully grasp that. I'm going to tell you that right up front. But I know what? He is so far and above, I can't grasp it. I know it's true. That's why I'm telling you. It's true. His name is blessed. His name is to be praised from the very early in the morning to the very late at night. There is no time. Well, I can bless the Lord when I have my devotions and eating breakfast in the morning, but rush hour traffic, not a place to praise the Lord. Not true. That would be a good time to praise the Lord because it would get your mind off of the miserable traffic. When the boss just was unreasonable and unfair to you, that would be a good time to praise the Lord. Why? Because it's not dependent on your circumstances. It's not dependent on your mind and your emotions and all that. It's dependent on the one who's above all of those things, the one who made you, the one who is above all those circumstances. And when you get your mind in that direction, it will change your whole life. Because we do have grounds for praise no matter when, no matter what is happening. It goes on to say, the Lord is high above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? Notice, this is above politics. This is above the the Gaddafis of this world and the, the Osama bin Ladens of this world and the Charles Mansons and all the other dictators and bad guys of this world and the Hitlers. He's above all of those. In fact is, remember what happened originally? There was one being, Satan himself, who said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend above the throne of God. Guess what his end is? He was cast down to the earth because we have a, 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 a cause and grounds for praising him because he's above all these things of this earth. Verse 6 is the one we always concentrate on when we get to the New Testament. You go, what are you talking about? Notice what it says. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. The God who is totally up here. Totally self-existent. Has nothing to do with us. He chose to bring us into existence. But that God who is so holy, so reverent, so exalted, 
cared about me, cared about you, cared about the world, came down and is willing to work among us. I'll tell you what, if I was God, sorry folks, but I'd do away with all of you, and that would start with me. But he didn't do that. He sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come to earth, dwell among us, deal with us, and then die for us. Wow. He is God alone. He is worthy of our praise. It doesn't stop there. It goes on to say he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes them to sit with princes, with the princes of this people. My wife and I spent uh, about three months in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and we literally saw what these, these are not those pictures, these are off the internet, but we saw people doing exactly these things. That's how they lived. Where they lived in the favela was made of the tires and the pieces of cardboard and the bits of wood and whatever tin that they could find in, and the plastic and the tarps or whatever they could find. That was their house. And they found it on the dump heap. In the time when the psalmist is writing, the dump heap was at the edge of town in a ravine and it was always burning. Those that had no place to live would live right at the edge of the dump. It was their sustenance. It was their way of keeping warm. He says he takes those people and exalts them on high. But then the last one. I got permission to use this one from Kim. It says that, well, let's read what exactly what it says. It says that he makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. In the Bible, we have illustrations of mother, uh, wives who couldn't have children. And at undue time, God gave them children. Those were by natural birth. But I have a praise here. Two Fridays ago, the Grundens were able to sign the final adoption papers for their daughter who will officially become their legal daughter September 6th. October 6th. I'm sorry, I blew it. Sorry, sorry. But... So I looked on the internet, and I thought that looked a little bit like Gabriella and Kim, so I put it up there. But that's a praise. Because, God, amen. That's a praise. That God does things that we look at and say, it's not possible humanly. And he gives us a joy that's beyond everything. Why? He's God. He's God. We have grounds for praise. You may be going, you don't know my life. You don't know my health. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know my boss. You don't know my spouse. You don't know my kids. You don't, whatever it is, I don't care what. You put in there anything you want. He's God. We have grounds for praise. If you leave here and don't get that in your head, I don't know, you guess you were sleeping or something. But you know what? We have grounds for praise. And the God we praise is the God who condescended, humbled himself and came down and worked and walked and died among us for us. Wow. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand together as closing prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us ground for praise. Lord, I pray that no matter where, how we came in this morning, we leave here with a lighter heart. We leave here with a focused heart. And Lord, I pray that we've worshipped, praised you, exalted you, because indeed, you are to be our focus. You are the one 
that we can always look to. And just because of who you are,